Coming to you live from a barbecue shack near you, it's the SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. We've got the sweet tea, the white bread, and a whole lot of slow smoke takes lined up. So put down your turkey burger, turn up the volume, and grab your hog, because it's about to be on. Oh, yeah. Now, say hello to your self-proclaimed food and sports experts, the utterly enthusiastic Holt Smash, and the one and only Tinder King of Memphis, Mr. JB the underscore Brooks. And now, here's your host, always full of ship, Alex Bullship One. SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. I'm your host, Alex, and I got my boy Holt Smash out there. What's up, Holt? Hey, Alex. How's it going? Dude, doing all right. Doing all right, my friend. And I got also, all the way in Memphis, Tennessee, my good friend, Mr. J.B. Brooks. What's up? Uh, pretty well, Alex. Uh, been a long uh, week for me. Even though it's only Tuesday, it kind of feels like forever. But I'm ready to uh, do a little fun podcast tonight. I think we got a uh, fun podcast ready for you guys yeah i did ask what's up but that's okay i'm glad you're doing all right either anyway um anyway so like jb said this is kind of an exciting podcast this is uh what i call an off-season podcast because we don't really have any football games to preview or recap so we were thinking of topics to talk about and we thought it would be fun to kind of reminisce and go back to a SEC season that had a lot of memories, and we took it to Twitter polls. And what season came up on top, JB? That would be 2007, without a doubt. In my in my opinion, the uh, greatest season in SEC football history. Oh, is that your favorite SEC season since you've been alive? Um, yeah, I have to say so. I mean, it was just it was so much fun. Uh, you know, obviously, my team wasn't great that year, but it was a, still a solid season. Went to a bowl game, but it was just fun to be like a fan that year. You know what I mean? It was just fun to. There's just a lot going on. Yeah, I had to look back at it to remember everything, but once I looked at it a little bit more, I remembered how how fun it was. And um, back in the good times, whenever you could play NCAA football on Xbox or PlayStation, so. Um, that was some fun times as well and some exciting offenses to play with. We'll get into in a little bit. Before we get into the 2007 season, um, I think we should talk about what else is going around in SEC news. So, um, the first thing I want to talk about is, why did Mississippi State just give Joe Moorhead a, a contract extension after going 8-5? Um, I believe that's because in the state of Mississippi, you're only allowed to have a coach on a four-year deal. So he was already on a four-year deal, and he kind of just got like a one-year extension, I guess, on it. So it was, it, you know, it was a four-year deal. He did the first year, then it was three years, and they just moved it back to four years again. So pretty standard for state of Mississippi coaches. Um, 
You know, I don't think it was a. Uh, I don't think it was them coming out saying that Joe Moorhead did a great job and they're really happy with him. But I think it's just one of those things that happens. You know, they have to do in the. You know, in Mississippi, something they have to deal with. I think they gave Mullen that automatic contract rollover, and that was something that I think his was a little bit more. I think his was like a two-year contract rollover to like five years, and I think one year he didn't get it, and that's when he was. I mean, although I feel like every year he was there, he was looking to leave, or at least Jimmy Sexton said he was trying to leave or spread the rumor. But I think one year specifically he didn't get the automatic contract rollover, and I think it was when they either switched athletic directors from Strickland to um, Cohen, or I'm not sure exactly, but I think that's when it, when it happened, and that's when they were wondering, like, what's going on with Dan Mullen. It wasn't when he was, like, a hot candidate. It was, like, when he was, like, what are you doing as our coach? Right. Games for us. Yeah, so that being said, it is kind of, you know, one of those things you see, it kind of surprises you. But, you know, I mean, I, it's just one of those things that just kind of happens. It's more of a storyline if it doesn't happen than if it does kind of thing. And then other news, the SEC baseball tournament is going on. Uh, first round happened today. I'm kind of disappointed we couldn't do the podcast Sunday like we wanted to originally because we could have done a full preview of the SEC baseball tournament, but we can still do a uh, second round of championship preview or, I guess, predictions, see what's going on. Uh, before we get into that, I'm going to ask JB, are you sad that Tennessee has now lost to Auburn in the first round, or are you just saying, hey, that's now it's closer to football season? Not really. I mean, they're, they're going to be going to the tournament. I mean, that's that's – an incredible season, you know, for them. That's the first time they're going to be going to any kind of regional in 14 years. So, I mean, it's a good season for them. It doesn't matter what they do in the SEC tournament. Just making it to a regional was phenomenal for them. Yeah. Well, um, we'll see. I don't, they're not going to host a regional at this point, right? I think they, they were on the, the, bottle, or the bubble, excuse me, of uh, hosting a regional. But at this point, you probably – would say they're not going to host, right? No, no, they're not going to host. Okay. Let's uh, recap some other games that happened today. Um, Texas A&M beat Florida 8-7. to Not a huge surprise there. Uh, a little disappointment that Florida uh, didn't – wasn't better than they were supposed to. I think at one point they were a top five team, top ten team for sure. Now they're kind of a – Average season or subpar season, at least for them. Ole Miss beat Missouri. Um, like I said earlier, Auburn beat Tennessee, and LSU is currently losing to South Carolina five to one in the second inning. Um, it's actually five to three now in the third inning. Ooh, I need to hit the refresh on my screen. Okay, that, that sounds like LSU baseball or LSU sports in general. A comeback is in is in the works. Yeah, well, it's uh, ten o'clock and it's only the third inning, so. Probably going to be a long one. A long time. The good news is hopefully we won't podcast long enough to miss the 7th uh, through the ninth inning, the fourth innings. So we'll, uh, we'll try to catch that at the end at least. Uh, Holt, you also were kind of uh, speculating on Mike Bianco's future at Ole Miss if they don't get out of regional. You don't think anything changed with the win against Missouri today, right? No, I think it's going to come down to the regional. I mean, if they get out of the regional – um, then I think he's fine, but I think if they miss a reg- or if they uh, don't advance from the regional, then they could be in some serious trouble. Are you the only one? Or he this? could be in some are you, serious are you trouble. The only one that thinks this because I, I don't. I mean, I don't follow SEC baseball super closely, but I just 
to me, it doesn't seem like he's he's on the hot seat like you're saying. I mean, he's had pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it, I think I definitely think he is. I mean, being over here in the state of Mississippi, Ole Miss fans are pretty restless and you know kind of tired of the same old thing every year. Um, you know, I don't know what. You know, the athletic department almost is thinking I haven't talked to Ross Bjork lately. Um, he hasn't hit up my DMs <laughs> or anything. But uh, from everything I can understand, Mike Bianco is definitely uh, feeling the pressure a little bit right now. I'm still surprised that Ross Bjork actually survived as that like at the oldest. I mean, maybe he's still – you can't say he's completely survived, but the whole Hugh Freeze thing, I thought he was going to go down with him. And he's still there. Good for him, right? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, that's how it goes. Um, all right, so uh, let's just do a quick prediction. We're not going to go on game-by-game results, but oh, do you, who do you think is going to win the SEC tournament based off of who's left now? Um, man, it's tough. I think I just have to go Vanderbilt just because I, I just trust uh, the depth of their bullpen maybe the most. I mean, I don't, I don't really it, – it's really tough. There's so many different teams that I think could win it all. Um, you know, I mean, honestly, there's – as we record this, there's nine teams that still have a chance, I believe. And, I, I mean, I could see all of them except for maybe South Carolina winning the whole thing. I mean, it's just – it's really that competitive. But I think Vanderbilt's just the deepest. And, you know, I just – I think I have the most faith in them. What about you, Gabby? I'm going to go with the Arkansas Razorbacks. I like their lineup. And they kind of weren't playing their hottest going into the tournament. But – if they get back to playing like they were, you know, a few weeks ago, they were arguably the best team in the country. They were on a tear. So I'm, I'm going to go with Arkansas. I think they regained their form. Nice little shout-out to our faithful Hog fans that listen to us and follow us on Twitter. They're pro- probably by – I would say by far, but probably really close with uh, Mississippi State as our largest following on SEC Slow Smoke. So we do appreciate them. Um, with that being said, I still think Vanderbilt's going to win the SEC tournament. But – um, it wouldn't. Well, we're going to get to uh, relive the 2007 football season, which was a good year for Arkansas, right? For sure, for sure. So we'll um, we'll see what happens at SEC tournament. The championship game is on Sunday, which I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty excited about. Although to be honest with you, I don't know if I'll be able to watch it because I am going to have a somewhat eventful Memorial Day weekend. But we'll see. Maybe I'll check the score on Twitter. It'll depend on Holt. Tell me what's up. That being said, it's time to get into the fun part of the podcast, which we think this actually might take up the remainder of the podcast. But, Paul, do you think this is worth sacrificing rapid fire at the end? I mean, I don't know if anything's really worth it, but I think we're just going to have to, you know, I mean, we we just can't do a two-hour podcast. I mean, that would just be, like, way too long. Yeah. And I think – this 2007 season is really going to take a while, especially if we talk about everything that's worth talking about. I mean, there were so many things that happened that year that people forget about so many names that people have forgotten about, you know, even on teams that weren't really that relevant that year and coaches and there was just all kinds of stuff going on. So it's just just going to take a while. The thing I'm most disappointed about this 2007 podcast here is that now when you're researching a specific season, college football season or SEC football season, you can go on Wikipedia and pretty much find everything for the 2016 SEC football season, 2015, 2018 SEC football season. 2007 kind of predates Wikipedia. Not that Wikipedia wasn't around. I'm not sure when Wikipedia was actually live, but it predates when everybody updated everything on Wikipedia, which I don't know who actually is 
out there updating Wikipedia, but it is a great service for me because so much is on Wikipedia for each SEC season. And it's just nice to have it all there. And then you can just click all the hyperlinks and wiki, wiki hop to everything and find out as much as you want. That being said, I, I did, still did my research for the SEC football season in 2007, and I actually do remember quite a bit as I was looking it up. So there's a lot of things I'm excited about, but I'm more interested to hear what you two are excited about specifically for the SEC football season. So I'll kick that off to JB. JB, when you think of the 2007 SEC football season, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? And I'm going to just keep it to one because we're going to talk about a lot. So just keep it to one. All right. So you want me to give you one word? The one word I would describe that season, chaotic. Chaotic. Okay. You want to expand? <laughs> yeah, I was I was thinking more of like – He's looking for a specific example. Like a player, a team, a game, something like that. Uh, to me, the team has to be LSU. Like just all the close games that they played in, the few that they won, you know, that were nail biters, and the, the couple that they had lost that were also nail biters too. And, you know, they had big-time players, especially on defense. Uh, Les Miles was a gambler. I mean, you got to think – Think about some of the crazy plays he had, too. You got to think about their touchdown to win the game against Auburn. You got to think about the fake field goal against South Carolina with the uh, flip to, uh, I think their uh, kicker was uh, Colt David, you know, trots into the end zone untouched. I mean, I would, LSU to me is the story of the 07 season. Hold, I'm going to kind of test your memory for a second. Who was, and I, I guess you probably researched it as well, so it's maybe a little bit of uh, cheating on your part, but. Do you remember LSU's first game of the year? Uh, yes, I do, actually. Do you, do you remember it vividly? Um, I remember Mississippi State coach Sylvester Croom have, had, like, a big speech yes. um, to the uh, entire fan base um, in the, in the uh, junction uh, before the first game, and everybody was, like, all excited. You know, Mr. Yeah. had a lot of had, had some good players, and I don't remember the entire speech, but basically he said, you know, with LSU being like number one or top five, whatever they were ranked at the time, and he was like, uh, you know, with uh, with great challenge comes great opportunity, and like everyone got like all excited, <laughs> and uh, then they lost like forty five to nothing <laughs> <laughs> on a Thursday night too, wasn't it? Yeah, that's that's what I was gonna say. Is that do you remember that it was like the first, I don't know if it was the very first game, but it was the first big game that Thursday night. It was. It was. It was. The, it, yeah, prime time game that Thursday night. I was. I was feel like I remember. I feel like I remember a Craig Stelts interception, but. That's really – I don't really remember a whole lot from that game. I think I kind of checked out early. <laughs> from that LSU team, um, I'll stay with you, Holt. Who do you remember the most? Um, 2007, I would probably say – I mean, I think Matt Flynn would be the easy answer, but I would probably say uh, – Glenn Dorsey, maybe? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm thinking of. Glenn Dorsey was just a beast at LSU. I remember he actually dominated that game. They had to, like, double-team him, I'm pretty sure, on the offensive line and didn't really stop him. Uh, but, yeah, he was he was just crazy. And that was a thing um, about that season or that LSU team is they, they lost two games. But, uh, JB, can you go into detail about their quarterback situation? Because I don't think it was – I may, may refresh my memory, but I don't think this was, like, Matt Flynn's team from the beginning – um, it kind of was. 
had a highly touted five-star quarterback recruit come in. I think he was the number one dual threat in the country and Ryan Perilou. And uh, everyone assumed he was going to be the starter. He was going to be the future. But instead, uh, fifth-year senior Matt Flynn has given the reins to that 07 LSU offense. And uh, Perilou kind of sat, you know, behind. Like, Flynn had to perform well from the beginning because he had Perilou lurking right over his shoulder. And knowing that he, any kind of, you know, mistakes could bring Perilou in. But Matt Flynn really held his own his, that entire season. He, was a, he wasn't like a guy that was going to win you games, but – he definitely was a great game manager, and they kind of just rode that really awesome defense, and they had a really good running game too with, uh, I think, Joseph Adai. Yeah, that was the old-school LSU smash-mouth offense, the Les Miles offense that initially got him fired, ironically enough. But, um, I don't know, call me old-fashioned, but I enjoyed watching those kind of offenses. I wish they still worked today, but they really don't because I guess just the game has evolved so much too have the RPOs and hurry up, no huddle offenses. But, um, Holt, did you enjoy the slow-paced offenses, like very physical offenses like that, or do you now prefer the hurry up, no huddle? Well, I just like uh, diversity in college football. I think that's what makes it good. you got different styles, different teams doing different, you know, different uh, approaches offensively. I think it's really exciting, just cool to see. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I just remember – about that LSU team, the running backs, I feel like they used like seven or eight different running backs. Like they were just using like all in different times of the game in different situations. Just really, just really talented group. And uh, yeah, I mean, they definitely were able to run all over people back then. But like you said, the SC defense is kind of caught up after a while and, you know, you just couldn't run over teams anymore. I'm going to throw another exciting name at y'all from this team. Uh, and you'll remember when I say it. It's Trenton Holiday. He was probably one of my favorite players also just because I run rain track. Still run, I don't run track anymore, but I still, still run every day. So I, I think it's pretty cool how fast he was and how small he was. I think he was like 5'5", five, 5'6", five, five, and he had a couple uh, punt return touchdowns, kickoff return touchdowns, and they used him every now and then in the run game. And I just thought it was really exciting to watch somebody that small, that fast, that nobody could really tackle because he was so small he could fit in between all of the little uh, – holes in the defense yeah i just every time i think of trenton holiday i remember you putting him at quarterback in <laughs> yes which let's let's talk about that for a second hold and i guess i'll talk to you too jb about it because you have some of this i'm saying this as well um but me and me and holt would play and i guess you would play as well jb we all had our set teams for this year and hold who is your set team was it Arkansas? I don't even remember. Yeah, because this was this was the year of the Wildcat or Wild Hog, I guess is what it originated with Felix Jones and Darren McFadden. So it was really hard to cover them for me, at least on defense on the in the game because you could you could use them and like it's just it was for me it was just unstoppable. But I think I think JB when you were playing and maybe it wasn't this year, but do you remember who you always played with from this year? Yeah, I was uh, always the Florida Gators. I had Tim Tebow, and I had uh, Chris Rainey, Brandon James, Jeff Demps, uh, Aaron Hernandez. Uh, who was the other one? The other tight end on that team that was pretty good. Uh, kind of just, and also Percy Harvin was on that team too. Uh, Riley Lewis Cooper, Murphy, Lewis, Lewis Murphy, Lewis, Lewis yeah. Murphy. Yeah, uh, there was another. There was another tight end on that team too. That completely just maybe it was Hernandez, but yeah, that was a really fun offense to play with. You probably remember my favorite play that I always opened Cor- up with. Cornelius, Cornelius Ingram, JB. 
Yeah, Cornelius Ingram. So, yeah, that was a fun offense to play with. And their defense was also loaded, too. I mean, Derek Harvey and Brandon Spikes were on that defense. And it was, and then I think Joe Hayden was on that defense as well. So, that was a really fun defense to play with on NCAA. And you remember, Alex, the play I like to use on that to yeah. open up? Yeah, the play action rollout to Percy Harvin deep. Exactly. Percy Harvin deep cool. on a, uh, on a uh, post route yeah. up the middle. And he would always outrun the defensive back, and I would just like lob it up to him, you know, yeah. like float it, and he would just, you know, run up and catch it, and then just, you know, kind of just trot into the end zone untouched. It's like that's both when I was playing y'all differently. I think I finally learned how to defend that play, but it took me a while. It took me a lot of touchdowns, uh, giving up, giving up <laughs> touchdowns to learn that. But both, yeah, both like of y'all. It. It's like you both had similar – like for you specifically, J.B., you had one play that worked all the time and Holt played with the Wildcat or Wildhog. And it's it's the most frustrating thing in the world when you're playing Xbox or PlayStation and you know exactly what play the other person's about to run, but you just don't know how to stop it. And you're just sitting there watching you know. it happen in slow motion. You don't. But the funniest part was when I, I would always play online. Like I was really active playing on Xbox Live and – I always ran that play, the first play, and I always started off winning seven nothing against whoever plays. I'd always try to receive, and I'd always jump out to an early seven nothing lead. And that, and when that happens, that just pisses off the guy you're playing, and they just get frustrated, and then they don't play as well as they should have. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, we're gonna jump around. We're we're gonna go back and get, go back in between teams. Uh, but since we're on Florida, hold they finished nine and four that year. That was the year. I think after they won the national championship, the in between year because they they won with Chris Leak as a as a quarterback and Tim Tebow basically coming in on third and one and running through the um, defenses for the first down, and then they came back this year and went nine and four. I think that this this is the year they lost to Michigan in the the bowl game, and then they came back the following year and won the championship again with Tebow after he lost to Ole Miss. But this year they went nine and four. Was this a um, disappointment for Florida finishing nine and four with all the talent we just talked about. Yeah, it was, but you know, just like you said, they were coming off a national championship uh, game uh, appearance and victory over Ohio state and um, had a lot of talent on this team, but they were, they were still a little bit younger and this is Tim Tebow's first year as a starter. And uh, I mean, they actually were really good. They just had a couple of really close losses, you know, at LSU, which is a game that I know we're going to talk about at length at some point. You know, they had a really close loss to Auburn in a game that sparked one of the best YouTube videos or one of my favorite YouTube videos ever. And uh, they also lost a, <clears throat> a pretty good game to Georgia, which is a game that is also kind of lost um, in the shuffle with all the great games that happened this year. Um, you know, and then, yeah, I mean, once you get to a bowl game, I mean, I just don't really know. You know, you just never know about like motivation and stuff like that. But you know, they had three really close losses to some, you know, pretty good teams. And, you know, it was just it was just a tough a tough year, you know, I guess for Florida standards. But, you know, they were able to bounce back on it all the next year, obviously. It's it's funny because they lost to Michigan in the bowl game. And that was the same Michigan team that was like a preseason number two or something like that. And they lost to App State in the first game. That was the one that everybody talks about forever. And Michigan came back and won that game. That was a big – Big one for Michigan, but big disappointment for Florida because Florida started off – well, I mean, you think about it. Florida started off – I'm looking at it now. started at number six preseason uh, or week one, and then Michigan was number two. So, I mean, if they played week one, it would have been a you know college game day game, and it would have been a disappointment if Florida lost. But getting to the end of the year after Florida went through a tough schedule and did 
respectable, and then Michigan lost some games that they shouldn't have. You thought Florida could win that game, but um, it didn't. But maybe maybe this set up the 2008 Florida National Championship uh, just because everybody's coming back, and maybe they were had a little bit more motivation. I'm not sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. And uh, this is this was Urban Meyer's third year, and Dan Mullen was the offensive coordinator. It was his third year also, and Charlie Strong was the co-defensive coordinator, and it was his, his fifth season. The other co-defensive coordinator was a guy named Greg Madison. I'm not sure who that is. Maybe maybe JB does. Yeah, who that is. So, sounds familiar. I think he's actually in the NFL now. Yeah, wouldn't surprise me. But anyway, uh, stellar coaching staff, and that's one thing you're going to see about you know this season is there's a lot of good coordinators out there. Let's go back to LSU on that subject. Head coach Les Miles, who's the defensive coordinator, JB? <laughs> That would be Bo Pelini. Yeah, Bo Pelini. And it's it's weird to think of him now at LSU just because he's kind of like the, I don't know, Midwest, North kind of coach. I don't know, because he was at Nebraska and he um, played Ohio State. But it's weird to think of him now at LSU. But he was a really great defensive coordinator uh, back in the day. Yeah, he was. Uh, you got to think about also the – he had Bo Pelini and Jimbo Fisher on his staff at one point, you know, as his two coordinators. I mean, you can't really ask for a better combination. Yeah. And then and then before uh, Bo Pelini, uh, it was uh, Will Muschamp, you know, that preceded Bo Pelini at, as an LSU defensive coordinator. Dave, I'm going to stay with you. So we're, we're talking about, like, LSU right now. LSU is what you remember most about 2007, and they, they represent the chaotic year that it was. They won the national championship game. Beat Ohio State. Um, I don't know. It's, the score is 38 24, and I never really remember it being super close. Um, I don't think it was, but I, it's kind of hard to remember now about that game, believe it or not. But let me let me run off some some of the memorable games from that season, and I want you to tell me what you – I guess, why don't you rank the games for me and tell me something about each game. So we have the first loss of the year was Kentucky – which is a triple overtime game, which um, and I think it was – who was the quarterback, J.B.? It was it Brom, is that his name? What was his name? No, Woodson, Avery Woodson, right? Not Avery. What's Andre, his name? Andre. 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 Avery, Andre. Avery Woodson played for Memphis. Close call, though. <laughs> Andre Woodson, who had, according to J.B., I think the prettiest spiral in the world, him or Chris Leak. It was a close call. I yeah, I always, I always thought Andre Woodson and Chris Leak had the prettiest spirals in SEC football history. J.B., or hold, have you ever thrown a football with J.B. and he acts like he's Peyton Manning? <laughs> No, I don't think so. It doesn't surprise me. I do remember him pretend to be Chris Lawton shooting a basketball, though. He he would do Peyton Manning, and he would do um, – who was it that he liked to do? He likes to do Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers throws like a sissy, according to JP. <laughs> he really does. He does. Like, he's got the biggest uh, sissy throw I've ever seen for a quarterback. He throws like a – he has like – it's like T-Rex arm throw. Yeah. It's terrible. He's a good quarterback. It's, it's kind of hard to believe that he's a good quarterback, but it is a weird, weird – formation when you look at it compared to what everybody else looks like when they throw the ball um all right so we have the kentucky game was triple overtime game we had the next week um auburn game which was 30 24 and after that you have alabama which was 41 to 34 and that was nick saban's first year i remember and then you have another triple overtime game against arkansas then you have the SEC championship game at Tennessee, which wasn't wasn't big, and the Ohio State national championship game. So really, I think the best games out of this were the Kentucky triple overtime game, the Auburn game, 
the Alabama game was still pretty good that people don't remember, and the Arkansas game. Out of those, which one was your favorite? And can you just, like, I guess, rank them and tell me something about each game? Yeah, I'd probably put Arkansas, LSU, number one. Uh, number two, I'd put LSU, Kentucky. Number three, I'd probably put LSU, Florida. Florida. Number four, For- yeah. Number three, LSU, Florida. Okay. And then number, number four, LSU, Auburn. And uh, what was the other one? Alabama. Uh, Alabama was a good number, game, too. Number, number five would be LSU, Alabama. And the number six would be the SEC championship game. So those are all six thrilling games for LSU. Like, it seems like every game they played that year was thrilling. I hear, here's what I'll do. I'll, I guess you, you talk about the LSU-Kentucky game, and then hold, you can talk about the LSU-Arkansas game since you said that was the one that was the uh, most exciting to you. Well, yeah, LSU-Kentucky was exciting just because it went to three overtimes. It was in Lexington. L- uh, Kentucky was ranked for the first time in a few years. Uh, they had a lot of buzz going into that game. They had a senior quarterback in Andre Woodson who was, you know, a really great leader for that team. They also had Raphael Little, really good running back, and just and Jacob Tammy, their tight end. They had some pretty good weapons on that offense. And uh, they really uh, gave it uh, – at times I thought LSU uh, Kentucky was going to win, but LSU uh, – or, no, Kentucky did win. Sorry, I'm getting that mixed up with another game. But uh, Kentucky, you know, was able to grind it out and, you know, upset LSU and what was one of the biggest upsets of the season. But, uh, you know, like you said, that was an exciting game. But the one game that always sticks out to me for LSU is the Florida game. Even though that didn't go to overtime, it was probably the most rowdy that Tiger Stadium has ever been. And that says a lot because Death Valley is notorious for being rowdy. But also, this is when we finally got to we got to really see Les Miles coming out party, and his identity oh. was born that night. Oh no! I, I, now I, that you're saying it, I, I remember exactly. I remember this game. Now this was the Jacob Hester game, right? Jacob Hester game. This is when Les Miles' identity was born that night in Tiger Stadium. It was on the final drive. They went forward on fourth down on their final possession four times on that drive man end up going down and scoring to win the game won 28 24 scored in the final seconds ended up winning the game 28 24 and a top five matchup and that was the night that lsu went to number one after usc got upset that night by stanford oh does this make you want to watch like the full games on youtube yeah, actually, I'm not going to lie. I went back and watched, like, a, there's, like, a video on YouTube of, like, the entire 2007 season and, like, all the best moments. Mm-hmm. And I went back and watched that. It's, like, maybe 10, 15 minutes long, but it's it's really good. I went back and checked that out, and it was really cool. But it would be really cool to see, like, if they could do, like, a timeline of, like, like this was happening, like, right when this was happening, and then, mm-hmm. some, you know, something kind of like that. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it LSU, like, is definitely the, uh, you know – the craziest of, of the crazy this season as far as, like, all the games they played and all the wild games. And another uh, player that I don't think JB mentioned was uh, Stevie or Steve Johnson from Kentucky, led the SEC in uh, receiving yards that year and, and touchdowns. Um, so he was a really good player for them as well. And, yeah, I mean, just that whole season was just absolutely crazy. Let me uh, stop you real quick. What it wasn't this year. I think it was the next year. Whenever there was, uh, it was like the Crabtree year for Texas Tech, and they beat either Oklahoma or Texas. Texas, and there was, that was like two thousand eight. Yeah, there was three, three or four teams that like were in the driver's seat to be the in the national championship game, VCS championship, and everybody lost. I think Oklahoma lost or something like that. I forgot who actually was playing the championship game. I guess it was Florida and. Who was who was Florida? Who did Florida beat in the championship? I forgot who they beat. 
but um, yeah, so it was Florida, Oklahoma, but then it was like, there was like four or five teams that lost that day on like yeah. championship day. Take me through that real quick, JB. I know we're talking about the 07 season, but I just want to remember that real quick for a second. Yeah, 08, the Big 12 had a bunch of teams that were competing in the top 10 all year. You had Oklahoma and Texas with Sam Bradford and Colt McCoy. Uh, you also had uh, Missouri and Kansas with Kansas. Uh, with oh, my that. gosh, yeah. Yeah, Missouri and Kansas were really good that season. Also, Texas Tech with Graham Harrell and Michael Crabtree. So, you had five teams that year that were all in the top ten. And even – I think most of them got into the top five. I think – I know, obviously, Oklahoma and Texas did. I think Missouri did. Uh, they got to number one that year. Uh, Kansas got into the top five. And I believe Texas Tech may have snuck into the top five at one point, too. But that was also the year – uh, I think you're getting 07 and 08 mixed up, JB. I think – 07 was the year that Missouri and Kansas were really good. And then 2008 was the year that Texas Tech, Texas, and Oklahoma were all three, like, in the top five, and they were all in the same division in the Big 12 South that year. Yeah, I just remember the Big 12 during that era had a lot of good quarterbacks. That's not unusual for the Big 12 in general. I mean, at least there's a lot of good quarterbacks that put up a lot of good numbers. So, not unusual. Um, I'm going to go back to you, Holt. So – you said you watched some some of the highlights from 2007 season on YouTube. Whenever the the network, as JB likes to call it, SEC Network, shows the uh, the old throwback SEC games, will you find yourself sitting there just watching the entire game? I know JB will do that, and like he'll intentionally go out of his way to watch it. But will you sit there and watch the entire game from 2005 or something like that? Uh, every now and then, I will catch myself doing that if I if I just happen to flip it on. Um... I'm usually watching MLB Network this time of the year, though, just because I'm also a huge baseball fan. Yeah. But, you know, I definitely will. Like, I, I was actually watching the Alabama-Oklahoma game from the playoff, uh, you know, the Kyler Murray game the mm-hmm. other day. Like, it was just on. I just started watching it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm always down to uh, watch a throwback game. And I remember uh, – it's actually really crazy, but, like, uh, um, maybe this is – like 2009, 2010, something like that. I I remember – I specifically remember going down to my grandparents' house for like a month, and I didn't have like any internet or like anything like that, but they did have uh, like that CBS sports network or whatever. Yeah. And, and they were showing like all the throwbacks from this 2007 season. And I remember like they had the LSU-Arkansas game on, then they had the LSU-Kentucky um, game on. The LSU Alabama game on, like all the games that were on CBS that year, like just all played like in a row, and it was just like I just remember sitting there watching all of them like back to back to back. Yeah, it's good good times. Uh, I actually like it. I think I probably like it when it gets to like to August and SEC Network does like the top games from the previous season or something like that. Um, I think that's yeah, always they do fun the top to watch. games, top games, and we've got previews, but. Also, I know ESPN does a little rundown of the top 25 games of the season. They usually start that campaign. Usually, I always say, I always say to me, the kickoff to the preseason is SEC Media Days in mid-July. Once that occurs, that's when you're – Yeah, I still – I mean, I like, I'm still a college football fan in general, but it is predominantly SEC. Like, I still will like to watch other big games for big conferences, but it's like – it's almost like it's, it pales in comparison whenever – two big SEC teams play. I know there's other big traditions outside of the SEC, but um, I just feel like there's so much rich tradition and history and pride in all the SEC schools. And it's just like the entire game day is an entire day on Saturday for um, 
any any fans of SEC teams, especially if you're going to the game. I think it's just a lot of fun. But let's get back to the 07 season real quick. So you mentioned the LSU-Arkansas game was your favorite. Take me through that. That was a Black Friday, if I recall. Take, take me back to what, what Holt Smash was doing back in 2007 after Thanksgiving. Like, were you, were you hitting the, the retail markets on uh, Black Friday, or were you just eating the leftovers from Thanksgiving and watching college football all day? No, definitely not. Um, I was definitely watching college football. Um, I just – I don't remember, like, every play from this game. Um, I remember, or like, earlier when you were saying uh, about a moment, like the moment from the entire season that sticks out to me uh, actually wasn't the game-defining play in this game, but it was – I believe it was a wild hog play um, where they had a long run. I can't remember if it was – it was McFadden or if it was Hillis, but they had like a long run down the sideline and Casey Dick, the quarterback lined up a wide receiver and he runs down the field and he's running like side by side with the, uh, you know, whoever had the ball and there's a defender coming back and Casey Dick just peels back and throws like a great block on a long touchdown run. And that, that was just like the one play that stood out to me, like from the entire season. Um, I just remember that one play and, um, but yeah, this game was just absolutely nuts. And, you know, Darren McFadden just did what he does. You know, he was probably one of the best running backs to ever come through the SEC. And um, they were lining him up at quarterback. And, uh, you know, they had Felix Jones and Peyton Hillis. And they had uh, another guy. Marcus Monk. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Marcus Monk at receiver. I, I was thinking they had another running back as well. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they were just absolutely loaded that year. And it was just a really fun team to watch. They, I know they kind of uh, – underachieved that year um i was going back and reading like some preseason stuff there were some people who thought they maybe could have won the west that year and they definitely had the talent too they had a couple disappointing losses early in the season and uh they completely uh no showed at tennessee uh that season but uh you know i think they kind of made it up by winning that lsu game and the the lsu game was actually the last game for houston nut he actually resigned uh a couple days later i'd totally forgotten about that yeah, it's kind of a disappointment for Arkansas to lose to Missouri in the bowl game, the Cotton Bowl, right after that. Because I thought – I think most people thought, like, they were just going to destroy Missouri after they just beat number one LSU at LSU. Um, but they didn't. They they kind of didn't really show up for that game either. But you mentioned um, – funny you mentioned Peyton Hillis. He was, like, kind of the forgotten court running back on that team um, with Darren McFadden and Felix Jones, the two-headed monster, I think is what they used to call them. Um, which is kind of an over, overused term now in general, but um, I think it applies to Darren McFadden and Felix Jones. And I mean, they they really they really could have at the time uh, were considered to be like the two best running backs in the SEC, and they were both on the same team, and they were both being used in a way that you know got them both involved. And that that's the thing that like you know, I mean, I hate to rag on Bush Jones anymore than you already do, but like you know, when he has two good running backs, it's like one of them sit on the bench, but. You know, when Houston has two good quarter, two good running backs, he finds a way to get them both involved and, you know, get those touches spread out and make sure that your best players are getting the ball. Um, what I, a couple of things I want to talk about now that you mentioned is Peyton Hillis was a third running back, and he ended up getting on the cover of Madden with the Browns later in life. Yeah. Um, how good was Peyton Hillis? Because I, I never – I never remember him really, and I guess that's my question: is not necessarily how good was he at Arkansas, but do you even remember him in Arkansas, like when he was playing? Because I, I just remember Darren yeah. McFadden and Felix Jones. No, I mean they were definitely the headliners, but Felix Jones was—I mean he was making plays as well. I think they used him more as a fullback. No, 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 um, Peyton Hillis, Peyton Hillis. 
I, yeah, I think you, I think you, I think you met him. You just said Felix Jones. You were talking about Peyton Hillis, right? Yeah. So, yeah, McFadden and Jones were like the two, and then Hillis was kind of like the third one. They would line him up at fullback and move him around, and uh, he would get involved, but he he wasn't one of the headliners like the other two were. Like he wasn't like the one you were thinking of, but he was. I mean, he was pretty productive also. <laughs> it's like the like on Twitter now, like the one the one they they tell you not to worry about is Peyton Hillis. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, the other question I had for you, Holt, is that you're talking about how um, Coach Nutt used Felix Jones and Darren Fadden effectively like a two two system running back. Do you think he was the one of the pioneers of using two running backs? Because now it's like every team has a two running back system, but before that, it wasn't really used as much. I think Auburn might have been before him with Cadillac and Ronnie Brown, but I, I can't think of the timing. I'm pretty sure Cadillac and Ronnie Brown were before them, but this yeah, was, was like oh four, I think. Yeah, this was not too far after it, but it was kind of caught more steam with this. Seems like. Yeah, well, I mean, he was more maybe more innovative in, like, using both of them at the same time. I mean, I don't think it was unusual for a team to have two good running backs, but to have them both on the field at the same time and really not knowing which one was going to get the ball, you know what I mean? I think he definitely was really creative in that. And um, I actually thought that this was uh, during Gus Malzahn's time at Arkansas, but he had actually just left um, the season before this, so – he was not at Arkansas when this was going on. JB, is there is there better Southern SEC voice than Houston Nutt? Can't really find that many. <laughs> he was. I think of Steve. Spur- yeah. I think of Steve Spurrier and him. I think of Spurrier. I mean, I, I always thought about Derek Dooley too. He had that Southern draw as well. Slow, the slow very, voice is very, the very slow Southern draw. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, this guy is not an SEC guy, but he's got a dab of Sweeney as well. But yeah, I, I like that, uh, you know, the old-fashioned Southern football coach, you, too. I mean, Jeremy, Jeremy Pruitt, yeah. if you listen to him talk, yeah. he, sounds like a country, he sounds like a country boy from a trailer. He park. does. He does. Do, you, do you like uh, Houston Nutt on CBS Sports Network now? Do you find him entertaining or interesting? I mean, he, he brings some good insight. I mean, I like seeing him on there. Per- uh, it's cool. it's- Personally, I like seeing old SEC coaches, especially ones that have been through the highs and lows, to take me on the inside of what is actually going on in a coach's mind or what's going on during the season right now when a team has either winning a lot of games or they've just lost a big game. There's a big disappointment. I just think there's a lot of um, value there. And insight, like you're saying, coming from coaches that have been there before. Um, another one that comes to mind is Gene Chizik. He, I didn't really like him as the Auburn coach, but I really like him on the SEC Network now because he um, he makes me feel like I'm like he puts me in the coach's shoes at least, and maybe I'm unique. To he that. does. Yeah, I mean, I like him. I think Chizik's, you know, as far as personality wise, he's more of a boring personality, but I mean, he does bring good insight, you know, from his days at Auburn and what a coach is really thinking. Like, I mean, it's definitely good to have him in that shoes. I'd rather have I'd rather listen to Gene Chizik than Lou Holtz. I mean, if we're talking about former coaches as analysts, oh well, of course, of course. That's that's not that. I mean, that's just because Lou Holtz has the most annoying voice in the world. That doesn't count. <laughs> and all we talked about was Notre Dame. Yeah, it's it's actually it's not. Yeah, I don't like Lou Holtz that much at all. I listen to him. Um, Holt, you mentioned that Houston not won this game against LSU and then immediately bolted Arkansas for uh, Ole Miss. 
take me in the background, like the story leading up to that. Why do you leave? And he ended up ultimately getting fired at Ole Miss. But do you think Houston Nutt is a better coach than he gets credit for? Um, he does. I think actually what had happened is he resigned at Arkansas and then he didn't coach the 2008 season. And the 2008 season is when Orgeron got fired. Is that right? No, no it was 07 when Orgeron was fired. Oh, okay, Orgeron it was got... 07. Yeah, so, but he he didn't take the Ole Miss job immediately, though, did he? He like Arkansas no, he, went and hired he, Bobby Petrino, and then they took, uh, and then Ole Miss hired Houston Nutt after that. So he didn't leave like directly for Ole Miss, right? Yeah, he, like he resigned. No, right? no, he he resigned because there was a uh, scandal at the time about uh, some phone calls and text messages that were monitored between Nutt and I think someone else on staff that he shouldn't have been texting and. Uh, talking with it was some kind of recruiting scandal with some text messages and uh, phone calls that the university had obtained and kind of just forced Nut's hand to resign and he was res- <laughs> uh, I know I have a way with words but uh, he was forced to resign and uh, he ended up taking the old Miss job like a month later in January shortly after Arkansas had hired Petrino. Yeah. Let me let me do some quick fact checking for you according to Wikipedia. Uh, Houston Nutt was hired on November 27th, 2007. So it was actually three days after beating LSU. He resigned, um, which I, November 23rd is when he beat him. So in the three days he resigned, the fourth day, which would be November 27th, he was hired immediately at Ole Miss. So it oh, sounded like it lined up pretty well. Yeah. yeah. I, I think I, that's the way I remember it, too. And he didn't do great at Ole Miss, but the one thing he did bring to Ole Miss, I don't know if this was a thing at, at uh, Arkansas, but I remember when Memphis played Ole Miss – uh, when Ole Miss had Jevin Sneed and they were like a really good team preseason at least, they had the the nut rag for uh, the Ole Miss fans, like the little sweat rag that said it said nut on it. It was supposed to be a nut rag. I thought it was kind of funny, but they also they also had T-shirts saying "Bust a Nut." Yeah, yeah. I know. I know, JV, You still like saying "Cox" for Gamecocks. You enjoy saying that a lot. Yeah, they're they're the Cox to me. <laughs> but um, do you think so? You're saying there's controversy going on at Arkansas was why he left it's about texting but I think there was a big thing about him just feeling underappreciated at Arkansas yeah I think so too I mean just like we were saying earlier I mean there were a lot of preseason expectations that year that was kind of like their big year Darren McFadden you know was uh, draft eligible after that season and I believe Felix Jones was as well so uh, that was kind of like their their big year to to do something and uh, they kind of underachieved they you know they lost uh, in Alabama um, if you remember that game, that was kind of a, a really crazy game. Um, I think it was their second game of the season. And uh, they got down really big early. Uh, they stormed back and took the lead. And then I think Alabama scored a touchdown, like, with, like, four or five seconds left. Uh, if you remember, uh, John Parker Wilson is a good throwback name. I, I think we should just, like, throw in, like, some random throwback names, like, whenever we can. And John Parker Wilson definitely fits that uh, – it's that mold. JPW you, was. You probably haven't thought about in like 10 years. He was post Brody Cruel, and Brody Cruel was supposed to be really good. Here he was really good. He got hurt a lot, though. Right? Yes. Yes, that is true. And then Brody Cruel was throwing to, was it uh, Tyron Prother? Yeah, guys? that was a, a 2005 season. Yeah. Prother, I think we were... Caldwell, you know, Caldwell, DJ Hall. He had some pretty good yeah. weapons. Yeah, Alabama just really hasn't. I mean, maybe I don't know for sure, but it seems like they never really lacked talent, even when they were not great. Uh, no, they I mean they're talent. not not like they do now, but they, yeah. they still were talented back then. 
Yeah. So let's let's uh, move on to Alabama because this was Nick Saban's first year. And uh, one of y'all will have to remind me because I'm on Wikipedia now. And um, I forgot why they had to vacate some of these wins. I'm about to read about it, but I don't – I don't. It was, a text, it was a textbook scandal. Is that is that right? I think there was some players getting, like, extra textbooks for, like, their girlfriends and stuff like that. That is so stupid that they're yeah. – <laughs> Do you, uh, JB, do you remember the Albert Means scandal? I do, vividly. <laughs> Not very well. I do remember that Gary uh, Vivid- Parrish is the one that yeah. broke that story. Also, vividly means like you mean it, you remember it detail by de- like line by line detail. <laughs> no, no, not I chose the one, I, actually, the word I was thinking vaguely. I don't remember it very well. <laughs> I remember vividly. I wasn't, wasn't too sure about it, though. <laughs> No, I don't remember it very well, but uh, I just remember he got in a lot of trouble. He got paid. Uh, a, lot of co- a, lot, a lot of coaches turned in uh, Alabama for this, but the notorious one was uh, Philip Fulmer. Got subpoenaed at the SEC Media Days. He did. <clears throat> but so, that, that wasn't this. That wasn't why these games were vacated. So if yeah, Alabama- because it actually – the first game that didn't get vacated was the Tennessee game, and I remember – that right before that game was when they announced the suspensions for all the guys uh, who had been suspended for uh, for those t- for those textbook scandals. So I guess that is what it's for. Go ahead. So this, this was Nick Saban's first year, and if if you don't count the vacated wins, um, the record would have been six and six. Now we know Nick Saban had a national championship at LSU, and he coached the NFL for I don't know one or two years with the Dolphins but six and six in the first year was there any point in this year JB that you remember thinking like man Alabama is going to be the shit they're really going to turn around with Nick Saban I mean everyone always thinks about the Georgia game when they uh you know took George all the way to overtime and they end up losing in overtime from a uh, Matt Stafford a 25 yard touchdown pass on the first play of, of overtime when they got their possession after I think Alabama turned the ball over missed a field goal I forgot what happened but also uh, the way they competed against LSU I think they were their record yeah. at that point was like their record was like six and two they're in the top 25 that's correct LSU all the way to the fourth quarter and uh I think the biggest play of that game for Alabama I think they had like a uh fumble and their or yes a turnover they had a turnover in their own like territory and LSU ended up scoring a touchdown on that play and it was kind of like a backbreaker. Do you picture how mad Nick Saban would get mad at that now? Yeah, but I mean, he also that was his first year with that team too. But you got, yeah, think about how. And also, uh, after that LSU loss, you remember what happened the following week? Well, I'm looking at it, so it's a it's a trick. There was Florida State, but you're also if you want to you're talking about LSU, they lost to lost to Mississippi State. I got that, but the big big question was when they lost to Louisiana Monroe. If that's what you're talking about, that's what I was that's what I was yeah. referencing. I, I don't know if it was the following week or two weeks. Later they actually did lost. lose to Mississippi State. Actually, I remember this whole. I don't know how well you remember it, but back in the day, you know, change things around. I think I was I was a Tennessee fan at the very beginning of my life when they they had Peyton Manning, and I was still trying to figure out who I was. And then I switched from Tennessee. I think I liked Mississippi State for a little bit just because. I wanted to like an SEC team, and they hated Ole Miss, and I liked Memphis that hated Ole Miss. So I liked Mississippi State for a little bit. And I think at that time, middle school, high school, before you got to college, you were a big Alabama fan. I think 
this day when <laughs> Al- when Alabama lost to Mississippi State, I came over to your house wearing a Mississippi State shirt, and like you were just like, I just I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this today. Do you remember that? Yeah. <laughs> but what's funny is your your mom is a Mississippi State fan, and also whole you had a little identity crisis too because you liked. You liked Alabama, but you you very very clearly liked Alabama. But before Alabama, I think you had like you had Mississippi State and Ole Miss like jerseys, not jerseys, but like memorabilia. Because I remember you had like a trash can that was Ole Miss and something else that was Mississippi State, and it was kind of confusing. Yeah, well, my family is very split up, and I would just get gifts from different parts of my family. And I mean, yeah, I'd, when I was a kid, I pretty much just liked everybody. We, you know, Which, we went to we went we went to a bunch of Ole Miss games when I was a kid because obviously. <laughs> Memphis is a short drive away, and uh, yes, I do remember that day, and you have <laughs> mentioned it. You have mentioned it on the podcast before, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just remember, you know, I always liked Mississippi State was always like my second favorite team, even when I was an Alabama fan. I mean, I, I wouldn't say like I rooted for them like super hard or anything, but, you know, at this point in my life, I was maybe like, you know, like 14, 15, so I mean, I, I watched college football, and I, you know, this is really the season that made me kind of fall in love with college football, honestly, but uh you know, I just – I remember being kind of upset, and, yeah, you showed up in a Mississippi State hoodie, mm-hmm. and you were like – you know, you just had, like, the biggest smile on your face. And <laughs> What's up, like, man? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's all, it's, all, it's all good now. Um, you know, I ended up going to Mississippi State, so I became yeah, more of a Mississippi State fan. I think- yeah, but Holt was even torn uh, even when he first got to Mississippi State. I think Holt has told me it was during his sophomore or junior year that he – Went full fledged Mississippi State and left Alabama in the rear view. Yeah, it was. Uh, well, I specifically remember, like, because my first two years, uh, Mississippi State was kind of decent, but not great. Like, I, like, my freshman year, Mississippi State was pretty good. Um, and we're going way, way off the rails here talking about my personal life, but uh, <laughs> Mississippi State was pretty good my freshman year at State. That was the Cam Newton year. That was the year, uh, you know, like all that stuff was going on, and Mississippi State was actually pretty good. They only, they, I think, they lost four games, and they were to four like top ten teams. And um, I was really torn watching the Mississippi State Alabama game that year. I don't even think I did watch it. I think I was in Memphis, and I just kind of like, you know, almost like I can't watch it. Sophomore year, I went to the game, and I wore Mississippi State stuff, but Mississippi State was pretty terrible, and Alabama was uh, in, you know, contention for the national championship. So I was kind of halfway like wanting Alabama to win, halfway kind of wanting Mississippi State to win, just because it would have been crazy. Um, and then my junior year, Mississippi State got off to like a hot start. They think they were like seven and zero. They got to like number eleven or twelve in the country, and when they went to Alabama, and uh, I got tickets to the game, and I went to the game, and I wore Mississippi State stuff, and just a lot of Alabama fans were like yelling at me and like saying some mean shit to me, and I was just kind of like, you know what? I think I'm a Mississippi State fan now. And that was that was like that was like the one day where I was just like, you know what? I don't even give a shit about Alabama anymore. <laughs> Go after yourself. <laughs> Yeah, but anyway, now now we can move on to Alabama losing to a Louisiana Monroe the next week. Well, not only that, but like the, the thing about it's funny about Sylvester Kermes, he had that one eight and five year, but he beat Alabama back to back years that year and the year before. So the yeah. eight and five year and the two thousand six year beat Alabama. So two, it's kind of yeah, it's kind of funny how it all. How well, it all he beat out. he beat Nick Saban one one time. He beat Mike Shula his last year. Yeah. Man, I remember. Joshua fired. Yeah, well, that that was actually a big game. That was a, that was the saying uh, in the 2006 season, I believe, was all the coaches that got crumbed, all the coaches <laughs> that uh, that Mississippi State beat, all the coaches got fired. 
So I think it was like, like, was it, wasn't it like, it was Philip Fulmer, Mike Shula. Ron no, 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 Was it Philip Fulmer? Yeah. Or no? No, no. No. Who, it was, yeah, it was, it was Ron Zook, uh, Mike Shula, uh, Ed Orgeron. I mean, this is so long ago. I, I know my memory is just totally going wild here. But it was I, definitely those three. It was, I thought there may have been a fourth one, too. Um, was there an they, they all started. Not Tuberville. All. They did. They did beat Auburn in this in 2007, but 2008 was a three to two game. <laughs> yeah. So I, even though even though State lost that game, I feel like that still led to Tommy Tuberville ultimately leaving Auburn. But I don't know. They did beat UCF in the Liberty Bowl, which I thought UCF would actually beat beat Mississippi State because they were pretty good that year. I think they're not like as good as last year, last two years, but. They were they were not bad. They had uh, I think they had Kevin Jones as a running back. And he was there and he was pretty good. Was it Kevin, I thought it was like Kevin Smith. Was I thought it was like yeah. Smith. Yeah, no, you're right, you're right. Kevin, I was getting I didn't want to say Kevin James, and I was like, maybe it's Kevin Jones. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how names work against you sometimes. Um let's let's talk about this. So they lost Louisiana Monroe, which they shouldn't have. We know that, but let's let's get on to some uh besides them losing Louisiana Monroe, let's try to cover all grounds here. Um JB, I'm gonna throw this out at you, which we haven't mentioned yet. We haven't mentioned the uh, Georgia Bulldogs, who were 11-2 and two that year. What do you remember most about them? Uh, how hot they got, you know, midway through the season. I Also, when their season turned around, uh, when they beat Florida, uh, that most memorable moment of that season, besides LSU, was when Georgia scored their first touchdown against Florida on a third and goal. No, Sean Marino left over the goal line. And uh, Mark Rick sent the entire Georgia team out on the field to celebrate the touchdown. And every single official threw a flag up in the air simultaneously. <laughs> and there was that – I remember those, those that one offensive lineman doing, like, that, that goofy, like, <laughs> yes, yes. side dance. shuffle dance. Like, <laughs> yeah. And, and like, they were, like, they were, like, yelling at the refs to, like, throw their flags. They were, like, you know, like, doing, like, the, the, the flag throw, like, sign, like, the teams do after they won the like, first interference call or whatever. Yeah, they were, like, all doing funny- that at the officials and, like – yeah, they, then they had to kick off that, from like their own seven yard line or yeah. something. Yeah, because Mark Richt uh, told the team before the game, if you don't get a penalty, you're going to be running a lot of laps like the next practice, like after the game. Yeah. So Georgia, I, I really like that. Uh, yeah. Like that idea as a coach, I just think that's like really cool way to to motivate your team and everybody to get like a unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. And you know, I remember like Urban Meyer tried to do like his own thing on the sideline, like after that. And Urban Meyer was, like, totally shook by that whole thing. You could just totally tell. And I think Urban Meyer wrote a book, like, later on, and he was talking about that and how, like, how Bush League that was and, like, all that stuff. And it's like, man, quit being a bitch. That's that's game planning one-on-one. That was very strategically thought out about it was. doing that. And that's – I mean, Mark Rick was a good coach, but, like, that's actually very unlike Mark Rick because he's uh, very classy. For him to do something like that is very uncharacter out of out of his character – and it's just, I think it was pretty cool because you know you're about to get a penalty and you know it's going to gonna mess up your, your kickoff, but it's kind of worth the motivation. It's kind of similar to how sometimes basketball coaches, especially college basketball games, uh, will intentionally get a technical just because it shows your team you're fired up and maybe they'll see that emotion and try to uh, play a lot harder. And I think that happened for this game as well. It did. And just you think about the motivation it brought – because, you know, in previous years in this series, uh, Urban Meyer had completely owned Mark Riggs. And, and not just Urban Meyer, but or not just uh, 
Urban Meyer, but even Ron Zook's teams own Georgia too. Like they could just never Georgia could and Mark Rick specifically could never beat Florida. They always struggled in that game. Even in their, during their best seasons when they had David Green as their quarterback, they would always struggle against Florida. So I think that one was just more of a uh, psychological uh, take for Mark Rick. Like he wanted to give his team the psychological advantage and sending his whole team out on the field after that first touchdown to me was is, is basically his way of saying, I am tired of this shit. We've got to take advantage of ourselves and play our best football against these team, this team. We're tired of losing. Think of how this would have backfired if – they actually didn't play hard after this, and it motivated Florida to play harder, and Florida ended up winning by, like, 15 or 20 points. Think how much that would have looked bad on Mark Rick in Georgia if it had backfired that way. So it was kind of risky if you think about it. It yeah. was, but it paid off. It was a calculated risk. Yeah. And you remember who they beat in the uh, bowl game, don't you? Yeah, that's that was my next point, is that JB mentioned the Florida game, which I remember well. Uh, I would say, I don't know if I'll say vividly like JB, but I remember pretty good uh, bit about it. But um, I, I was remember say, it vividly. <laughs> but, but I'm not sure really what happened. <laughs> but what I would say most, what I remember most about this game, this season was the ass whooping in the Sugar Bowl against Hawaii, um, 41 to 10. And that was a, I think, an undefeated Hawaii team. And it really just kind of did all the non-Power 5 teams. And this and this is before the distinction, the true distinction between Power 5 and non-Power 5 because you had, like, the Big East and other conferences that were um, still on par with some of the major conferences now. But I remember this Hawaii team saying, like, kind of similar how Boise State talks and some of the other teams talk now, like UCF talks like, oh, we want a shot, we want a shot, we went undefeated, we did everything we're supposed to do, why can't we play – why can't we play Alabama? Why can't we play Georgia? So they finally got their chance going 12-0. and 0, um, And they didn't – they also didn't kill every single one of their opponents. There was a lot – there's a couple of overtime games. There's an overtime game against Louisiana Tech. There's an overtime game against San Jose State. And they're, it's not like they just destroyed every single opponent. And then they finally got the chance against a pretty good Georgia team that was doing well. And I think at the beginning of this game, I don't know if there was line. I'm sure there was lines back then, but – it probably wasn't like a 20-point line. It was probably like a seven-point line or something like that, I would imagine. And Georgia just destroyed them. And I just – I thought it was pretty cool. But also I was like, man, this kind of sucks for all like the little guys out there because what makes college football great is the other side of that is like when Boise State did the Statue of Liberty against Oklahoma, that's what was exciting. And then the more stuff like this happens with Georgia killing Hawaii, the less you know all the national media is going to give the little guys – um, credit for winning. Yeah. Well, they, uh, I mean, that's just kind of how it's going to go. I mean, the underdog's not going to win every time. They're going to get blown out uh, every now and then, too. That's kind of what makes it so special when it does happen is the fact that it's, you know, so difficult and so unusual. Yes. But, yeah, I do remember Colt Brennan. I think he still has a record for touchdown passes in a season, I want to say. That might be true. But, any, anyway, don't take me to the bank on that, but. I think he, okay. he broke a bunch of he broke a bunch of passing records, and I'm pretty sure some of them still stand. But I don't know. Maybe Patrick Mahomes like broke a couple of them at some point. I don't know. You know, I get him and the you guys help me out for saying because I'm I'm drawing a blank here. But the the quarterback for Boise State that was really good. Um, more. He's actually like a quarterback like cow, coach right now. Cowboys offensive coordinator. He got promoted. Yeah. 
Yeah, I was gonna say he's like very much on the rise. I would be surprised to see him be a head coach pretty soon. I guess he wants to stay in the NFL, but I wish he would go to college. But I don't uh, understand like how you're like a backup in the NFL for like <laughs> yeah. two or three years, and then you're like immediately an offensive coordinator like two or three years later. Like, how's that even possible? Yeah, and then he's telling people that he couldn't start over to how to play. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Uh, one of y'all are going to have to refresh my memory. So, Georgia here, they had Matt Stafford and Sean Marino. I don't think it was this year, but it could have been this year. It could have been this year or the next year, the 2008 year, when Sean Marino had that run where he leaped over somebody. And, like, it was, like, the picture for the year. He had, like, that just basically almost like a, a toe touch over somebody, like hurtling over somebody. I think that was the next year. And I'm, I'm pretty sure it was against, like uh... – Western Michigan or someone like that. I'm pretty sure it was the next year. But uh, because of the way that Georgia finished this year, this is actually – I mean, there were a lot of reasons why people were hyping up the playoff. Um, but this year was one of the years, obviously, because there were a couple of two-loss teams or a lot of two-loss teams fighting for that number two spot in the country. Um, you know, people would often look at Georgia because they were so hot at the end of the season. After they lost that game uh, to Tennessee and Knoxville, uh, you know, like week – five or six of the season. They just went on an absolute tear after that. You know, they beat uh, you know, they beat Florida like we talked about. They beat Auburn. They beat Kentucky. They won at Georgia Tech. And then, obviously, they killed Hawaii. So, I mean, there were a lot of people saying, like, you know, I don't think anyone wants to play this team right now. They're, like, the hottest team in the country. And if there was, like, a fourth or 16 playoff that year that they could have possibly won it all. And that was uh, – I think they were preseason number one going into the next season, actually. They, they were, and that was – that's what I would call peak Mark Ricks right there. Georgia-ing, if that's the word, um, where they start off preseason top five, top ten, and end up losing two games in the regular season that they're not supposed to and just still finish very respectable top 15 but not doing anything great where they win the SEC championship and play in the championship game or something like that. No, yeah. they just don't you, finish top five. Yeah. the next, I mean, the next year they had so many players. I mean, they had Stafford, who was a, you know – 10-year NFL quarterback. They had Sean Marino, who was, like, an All-American. And they had A.J. Green, who was, you know, that was to be one of the Muhammad best Ma- players in the uh, in the NFL. But he was just a freshman in that 2008 season, That's I what believe. I was going to say. Yeah. But, so he was, yeah, Muhammad Massaquat, too. Oh, yeah, I forgot about him. Our boy uh, our boy Marlon, Marlon Brown didn't make it quite there yet. He was next year. <laughs> I remember yeah. him. Um, but, yeah. None, so, none of those Memphis kids really worked out for Georgia, did they? Who's, who's the other one you're thinking of? The Well, the two Long brothers, Austin and Hunter Long. I think both played at Georgia. They were both like four stars. I think Austin was a four star. I don't think he ever started a game for Georgia. They're, um, they're still in some Memphis talent now. There's like a guy from Christian Brothers High School that's committed yeah. to Georgia. Yeah, we were actually talking about this on the signing day thing. They taught, they signed like two or three guys from Memphis this past year. Yeah, which Georgia has like national reach now. Georgia's – Georgia's recruiting well, but honestly, like, uh, we'll talk about it another time, but Clemson is on another level for 2020 right now, doing some great things. Um, let's talk about Tennessee for a second, JB. Tennessee somehow managed to make it to the SEC championship after their kind of, like, no pun intended, but rocky season. Uh, I would say rocky, but, like, it just doesn't seem like they were a team deserving of being an SEC championship, but they somehow managed to get an SEC championship, even though Georgia finished 11-2 and and Florida was preseason top 10. Yeah, Tennessee was probably the most polarizing team that year as far as their performance on the field. Uh, there were some games where they looked like a top 
five top ten team and the other games where they look like they didn't even belong in any conversation. Uh, they got blown out by California in their opener. Uh, they got absolutely demolished in Gainesville. And then they uh, also got demolished against a uh, six and six Alabama team, Nick Saban's first year. But then you look at the other side of the coin. They blew out Arkansas. They blew out Georgia. Uh, they beat South Carolina. They won at Kentucky, a, top, a really good Kentucky team, a top fifteen Kentucky team, in like four or five overtime. So that they were all over the place that year. They also had LSU on the ropes in the SEC championship game. I think they were up fourteen thirteen with like nine minutes left. And then Eric Ainge threw a pick six to uh, Jonathan Zenon. And uh, LSU ended up winning the game 21-14. But, yeah, that team was completely polarizing. They they also won a lot of close games, too. Like, the South Carolina game was really close. Uh, they blew a 21-0 lead in that one. Ended up winning on a uh, 49-yard field goal. And then they had the uh, game against Vanderbilt, which they were down, I think, by 20 points. They ended up coming back and uh, taking the lead. And then Vanderbilt had a chance to win it on a field goal, like I think a, like a 45-50 yarder. And I uh, ended up hitting the crossbar and missing it. So, yeah, they had some really ridiculous games that year. They were polarizing almost like LSU, but not on the national scale as LSU. And they, they also went into quadruple overtime with Kentucky at Kentucky. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one. That was the one. Uh, if Tennessee had lost, uh, Georgia would have been in the yes. SEC championship. And if they had won, they were going to be in the SEC championship. Yeah, well, I love I love joking with you about no matter how bad Tennessee is, they're always going to be Kentucky and Vanderbilt. I mean, they didn't beat them this year, but uh, they didn't. They beat obviously Kentucky this year, but not Vanderbilt. But I just I think it's funny. No matter how down, no matter how much down Tennessee is, they usually just take care of business with Vanderbilt, Kentucky, with the exception of the past like few years, which is why you know something's wrong in Tennessee with the coaching. Yeah, not but, as much. Yeah, not not as much Vanderbilt these days, but. Yeah, that definitely applies to Kentucky. I think Kentucky's only beaten Tennessee twice in the last 25, 30 years. And, you know, we've had Tennessee's gone through probably the roughest decade it's had in its entire history. And still is pretty much taking care of against Kentucky eight of those 10 games. And uh, did you guys know, speaking of Vanderbilt, they actually had a top 10 win that year on the road? Um, I will in 30 seconds, Holt. <laughs> so I guess that's a no. Oh, I, that's a that's an asterisk. I can't believe that's a top ten win, though. Well, they were top ten at the time. They were. JB, you know. I all right. Hold. Tell me if it was a Western East team. Uh, it was the East team. Was it Georgia? It was not. You're not even going to think that yeah. they were good that year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. You're, you're going to be surprised that they were ranked in the top ten. South Carolina. Yeah, yep, they won. They beat South Carolina seventeen to six. William Bryce Stadium, eleven thirty a.m. kickoff. Well, I don't understand <laughs> how how South Carolina was even that good. Like you look there, they weren't preseason top twenty five, but then they beat number eleven Georgia week two. They lost to LSU week four, and they beat Mississippi State but they, and Kentucky. They, they played LSU close though. I think that was kind of what impressed people. Well, they it was a twelve LSU point game. Close. 12-point game. I guess it was close up until it was, the end there. It was at LSU as well, I'm pretty sure. It was. It was. Um, Spurrier's third year at, uh, at South Carolina. I don't – you have to think back to, like, how he even got South Carolina. South Carolina is so lucky to have Steve Spurrier. Um, you know, he didn't finish off great that last year, but um, going 11-2 three straight years with South Carolina was nothing short of amazing, well, considering the, the, the history. 
the other thing you have to think of too, as far as uh, South Carolina getting ranked that high, is just how crazy the season was that year. I mean, there were so many upsets of top five, top ten teams of unranked teams that no one really knew where to rank anybody. And uh, South Carolina only had one loss at that point, um, and they had beaten two ranked teams, one of them on the road, and they had you know played a pretty tough game against LSU on the road, who was thought to be the best team in the country. So. I mean, I guess I can kind of see why, but then after they lost to Vanderbilt, they go ahead and lose the rest of their games throughout the season, lose at Tennessee in overtime, lose at Arkansas. Uh, they lose to Florida at home pretty handily, and then they lose a tough one to Clemson at home by two points. Um, I have no recollection of any of those games, if I'm being honest. But <laughs> Whenever I somebody still, says – Like, I mean, I feel like it was – that year was so crazy that I feel like people forget that South Carolina just ended the season on a five-game losing streak. And missed yeah. the bowl game after being in number six in the country. Um, yeah, I know, I know what you what your style is, Holt. Uh, Miles, JB, uh, JB, do you prefer a season like this where it's very chaotic, or do you prefer like some good teams at the top that kind of provide stability and like you can see a two Goliaths at the end going mm-hmm. at it, two undefeated teams. I don't mind if we have some teams at the top providing stability. If we have, you know, at least four of them up the top. But if it's just Alabama and Clemson, then that's which just boring is, to me. Which, unfortunately, I think it's going to be for the next couple of years at least until yeah, the same retires. Yeah, like Alabama and Clemson right now, maybe you can throw Georgia in the conversation. I think they're starting to throw show some stability as well. But like, I prefer seasons like 07. I, like, as Holt said, uh, you know – off the air to me, uh, Nick Saban ruined college football, and I almost get halfway agree with that. Uh, there's not as much parity in the SEC now. Alabama just dominates everything. But this is uh, before Saban got his dynasty started Alabama back in 07, and there was a lot of parity in the conference back then. This is um, – I don't know if you've heard this, but like that's kind of what Holt was talking about with Sylvester Croom, but Nick Saban's like literally gotten so many coaches fired in the West just because – so many coaches get judged off. Can you beat Alabama? Like for instance, Coach uh, Coach O right now at LSU. That's the like the number one thing fans ask him is like, "We gonna beat Alabama this year? You gonna beat Alabama?" Like they don't really care. I mean, they they want they obviously want to win all their games, but the probably most important thing to them is beating Alabama. And that's how like Auburn's judged. Um, I don't think I don't think necessarily Mississippi State and Ole Miss are judged off that, but I mean that is still part of the equation. Is like, can you get a big win like Alabama? And the answer is no. Nobody can beat Alabama except for Ole Miss, which is randomly weird. But that's just the state of college football now. Yeah, I definitely prefer the more chaotic seasons, if I'm being honest. Like, I mean, it is good, uh, you know, just like JB was saying, like, if you have those teams at the top, like, it's okay as long as it's not the same teams every year. You know what yeah. I mean? You want to see, like, like some, some, something mixed up. You know what I mean? You want to see something new. You want to see – you know, kind of learn, kind of learn to hate a new team instead of continuing to hate the same teams. Yeah, I'm kind of ready for LSU to go head to head with Alabama, and I don't, I don't think they're ready, but I really want no. Coach O going head to head with Nick Saban. No, they would be fun. Uh, they're, they're not. In my opinion, they're not going to beat Nick, uh, Alabama as long as Ed Orgeron's the coach there. I don't, I don't yeah. see a way that Ed Orgeron coach team would ever beat Alabama. Like, I mean, I mean, he is recruiting really well this year, but. Like I still, I still just don't, I don't buy it. Yeah, yeah. I think your best shot. I'm mean, your best shots of of any team competing against Alabama is obviously gonna be Georgia. Kirby Smart, uh, Florida. Dan Mullen could comp- really compete with Alabama in the future. 
But I really don't see any other programs. I mean, LSU with Ed Orgeron, like Holt said, I can't see them winning. They can't score in Alabama first. That's one thing I they like. need to get over the hop yeah. is get some points on the board. And no uh, for, Jeremy Pruitt. No love for Jimbo. Yeah, or Auburn. I like Auburn. Well, I'm, I'm going, well, I keep going down the list. I mean, Jimbo, yeah. I think, eventually is going to get – I was going to move to him eventually. But Jimbo, I think, can get on that level to compete with Alabama. But it's still going to take a couple of years because it's – to get on Alabama's talent level, like it's not instant. It's going to take a few years, but I do no. think Jimbo is going to get A and M, you know, on Alabama's level in about two or three years from now. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt, if he can get some more talent in Knoxville, maybe he can give some parity in the East to you know, you know, give Georgia a push. And if you push Georgia, that gets them more ready for Alabama. So everybody's got to help each other in order to get to Alabama's level. Yeah. And Auburn, just like Alex was saying, Auburn could make a big time hire. Um, if if Gus Malzahn is let go this year, which is looking like he probably will, and uh, that's definitely a program that could do something if they hired a good coach. I just don't know like what coach would want to go there with, you know, all the craziness <laughs> they have. Is that some chirping in the background, Alex? What's going on? Yeah, my bird Petey. He's he's getting restless. Hmm. But is he is he uh, pulling for LSU or South Carolina? LSU has actually come back and taken the lead now. It's only the bottom of the fifth though, but it's six to five LSU. Dang, it's a late night. I don't I don't know if I can make it. Eastern think, time think, zone sucks. Think about being like a South Carolina fan right now. Like you got to stay <laughs> up like this late to watch your team play like on a weeknight. Like what's up? Yeah, loyalty. JB, before we go here, tell me about the. Man, we're not going uh, soon. We got a lot to talk about. What are you talking about? <laughs> tell, tell me about the Florida Auburn game and the quote that everybody's talking about here, or Holt's talking about. Yeah, that game was uh, very interesting indeed. Uh, Florida had just, I think, had a big. Uh, was this, Holt, can you, before I elaborate, Holt? Was this game before or after the LSU game? It was the week, It was the week before the LSU Florida game. Okay, so that that's right. So uh, Florida at this point, I think, had only one loss. Were they undefeated? No, they were undefeated, actually. Yep. Yeah, Florida was undefeated at this point. That's right. They were undefeated. And uh, Auburn and had two losses. High. Yeah, Florida was Auburn, riding high. They just, Auburn had lost to South Florida and Mississippi State already. Sorry, go ahead. That's, that's right, yeah. So Florida at this point is riding high. They had just recently, I think the last week or two, had blown out Tennessee at home. They're one of their rivals at the time. Uh, they were undefeated. They were top five in the country. They have a uh, Auburn team that had, like you said, two losses. Uh, no one was giving them a shot. I think they're like a – they were usually a double-digit underdog. I don't remember exactly. It may have been somewhere like in the teens range where they were, you know, as far as the Vegas odds books had them. But in that game, uh, West Byram hit a – I think, was, what was it, almost like a 50-yard field goal with time expiring – and uh, we had one of the all-time greatest quotes from uh, Rod Bramlett, the Auburn uh, play-by-play announcer. He said, see you later, alligator. Yeah, and was, then uh, Wes Byram made the gator chomp towards the uh, Florida sideline, which was really cool. He I, did, and he was I, doing, the, he was doing the, the gator chomp. But then this also spawned one of the all-time greatest YouTube rants that I can ever remember. And uh, my favorite quote from it was, uh, was this, this prob- it was this little kid – probably like a uh, you know, 14, 15-year-old watching his favorite team. He's a big Gator fan. Uh, he was watching in front of the TV. I guess he had his, his friend recording him in the background unknowingly, and he's just like cringing watching the television, you know, squatting right before the field goal is being kicked. And he's like, ah! 
and then he starts screaming. I'm not going to do the scream, <laughs> but uh, I you were gonna... <laughs> yeah. go ahead. Go he, ahead. He starts. He, he starts screaming. I'm not going to do a scream, but he starts screaming, and then he says, "You're fired, Meyer. You're fucking fired." And I swear to God, Tebow, stop fucking around. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a really funny video, though. I think I tried to go back and watch it recently, and I feel like the the quality is just is gotten really, really bad on that video. I think it's still up there. If you just Google like. Florida fan like freaks out or something. You should be able to find it. It should be like one of the first ones to pop up. Yeah, the quality is really bad nowadays. Of course, back then we didn't think about how bad the quality was. Yeah. But you were just happy now. to be watching the video on the internet. You're just like, oh, this is cool. Yeah, exactly. So, my, yeah, I wonder where I wonder where he is now. Like, maybe he'll be listening to us. My if he is, reach out to us. My memory isn't served me as well as you, you, both of you. I remember the field goal. I remember the kicker doing the gator chomp. And running off with Theo, but I didn't. I thought it was John Bond, not the other guy you were just mentioning. John Bond was a good kicker for Auburn too. He must have been after him though. This was West Byron. He was a freshman. When was John Bond? Because John Bond was a really good kicker for Auburn. I think he was just after him. John Bond played quarterback for Mississippi State. No, John Bond. No, I promise you, John Bond's a quarterback. <laughs> there was a kicker. John Bond kicked for Auburn. He went undrafted in 2007. He was 2006, first team all SEC. That's when he was. So he was yeah, just, so before, just before. West Byron was a freshman that year. So that's even more phenomenal that a uh, true freshman kicker goes into the swamp and, you know, beats a top five team, you know, a time expiring. Yeah. And speaking of uh, Auburn game that uh, the final play happened as time was expiring, uh, we didn't mention this when we were talking about the LSU schedule, but that LSU-Auburn game, you know, it's crazy to think that that was like the fourth best or fourth best LSU game that that season, but that was an absolutely insane game. I mean, that, at least the ending. Um, Les Miles uh, kind of got bailed out by uh, a great play by Demetrius Bird. That's another throwback name that some people may remember. Um, but there was like they were only down by three, so they could have kicked a field goal to tie it, or maybe. One point. Uh, it was twenty four twenty three. Because okay, well, either way, they they should have kicked the field goal, and uh, they they didn't. Those the clock was running. They had a timeout. There was like you know, like I want to say like eight or nine seconds left, and they snapped the ball from like their own thirty. Instead of trying to kick a field goal, they try to run a play, and uh, they just throw it deep to Demetrius Bird one on one and makes the catch in the end zone for a touchdown, and uh, <laughs> probably one of the most iconic moments this season and a season that had like so many. I mean that. That play was absolutely nuts. If you're watching it live, like, you know, I'm sure you, like, just jumped up off your couch and, like, just lost it. I mean, it was just one of those plays where, like, I cannot believe that just happened. And that was, like, yeah. that was like the fourth best game that LSU played that year. It was. And, you know, I think a lot of people forget about this, is that even though that play had happened and LSU got the touchdown, even if they didn't convert and, you know, it was an incomplete pass, there still would have been about two seconds on the clock. So LSU still would have been able to kick a field goal right after that but they had a chance to win. Something crazy, like, could have definitely happened right there. And I definitely don't think that Les Miles thought that, uh, thought that out. I think that was just kind of blind luck on his part. Because we know that Les Miles with uh, the clock running out is not always the best. <laughs> it's let, not. Me, let me go through some names from – all SEC from 2007, just to get you guys a little excited here. So um, quarterbacks, we know this is just the first team All SEC. I'm not going to name everyone, but the ones that stand out to me that are good throwback names. Um, quarterbacks, obviously, you have Tim Tebow, you have Andre Wilson, who has 
according to JB, the prettiest spiral with Chris Leak. Running backs, this is a loaded lineup, which is, I think, the funniest part of this is you have you have Aaron Foster in this list, who's not even mentioned, who ends up having the best NFL career out of all these guys. But you have Darren McFadden, Noshawn Marino as first team, and then you have Felix Jones, Aaron Foster, and Jacob Hester as the second team. And I just think it's funny that out of all those guys, we don't even think about Aaron Foster, but he ends up being the best NFL running back out of all of them. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Michael Orr. Remember him? Oh, I'm, getting, I'm getting to him. I'm getting to him. Hold on. Hold on. Oh, excuse me. You're, yeah, you're good. Uh, Michael you, Orr was. You, you go right ahead, Alex. Don't yeah. let me stop you. Yeah. Well, I'll ask you, Holt. Was Michael Orr or Andre Smith the better tackle? No, Andre Smith was way better. No, I, I don't know. My, I, I mean, I don't really remember a lot of Michael Orr playing at Ole Miss because, honestly, they really weren't that good when he was there. Um, so, I don't really remember. Terrible. I don't remember watching a ton of Ole Miss games, but – you yeah, know. Michael Orr played on all the bad Orgeron teams. Like all three years, he played for them. Oh no, he played. He played his senior year there. He played four years. So his oh five through oh six oh seven, he played for Orgeron, and then in oh eight, I think he played for Houston Nuts. So I think he had at least one year where he had a good team, but the other years were all crappy. I just remember Michael Orr as a Memphis fan. I remember everybody from Ole Miss was talking to him up like he was going to be a first round draft pick, which ended up being a uh, draft pick. High draft pick, first round. I don't know. It was very high. I think it was yeah. like top. I think, first it was, I think it's like no, twenty. It's like, it's like twenty something. 20 something. I want to say it's the Ravens. Yeah, it was in the twenties. Twenty three. Twenty three. Two thousand nine to the Ravens. Twenty three. Two thousand nine to the Ravens. And he actually didn't really have a great NFL career, but he did. He was Super Bowl champion with the Ravens. Um, and then he was the Titans for a year and the Panthers. Shout out to Michael War. Good thing he got a movie after him though. Um, Even though they made Michael, him, they made him look like really stupid though. And a wimp too for like a big guy. Yeah. Uh, Andres, yeah. Michael Orr doesn't like that movie. I think if you ask him, he doesn't really like the way he's represented in that film. Yep. So and, uh, we- also one more thing about that movie uh, before we move on. I was just gonna say that like I know a lot of people around like Briarcrest and all that stuff, and they all like know the chick that Sandra Bullock played, and they all hate her. So, but anyway, move on. They they hate the like the real life person, right? Yeah, they hate like the real life person, and they say that like the movie they try to make her out to be like a loving, caring, like, person, but she's not. She's actually kind of a psycho. She was at an event, not to get too too off track, but when I was working in Memphis, there was a, an event, like a charity event. We got to leave work to do charity events, and there was an event called Girls Incorporated that I ended up going to because they had free Gus's fried chicken catered there. Oh. So I went to – So like it wasn't a, even for the girls? Like you... it, it was for <laughs> – I was down for the girls. I was down for the girls, but she spoke at it, and I was like, all right, just keep talking. I'm going to keep eating this chicken, though. Yeah. Did she talk it's... about how inspirational she was? <laughs> yeah, she did. She, yeah, she talked about how, as a girl, I'm very inspirational. Anyway, receivers. We got – we talked about Percy Harvin and DJ Hall. Do you fellows know Kenny McKinney? Yes, Kenny McKinley, RIP. Oh, he died. Uh, oh, man. Yeah, he uh, um, tragically uh, lost his life uh, about five or six years ago. Oh, I think he took, oh suicide. I think, suicide. I think he, yeah, I think he took his life. I just didn't want to mention that, but I think he did. And there was another player uh, on this All-SEC team that passed away as well uh, in a car accident, I believe, Quentin Groves. Yeah, Quentin Groves. Yeah, a few years. Yeah, ago. I think he died in 2016. Quentin Groves was a. Um, I looked his up recently. I think it was a heart attack, actually. Yeah, three years ago. Oh, okay. Yeah, it happened like in 2016, yeah. didn't it? Yeah, so I think 2015 or 2016. Let me go through the list real quick. Um, defensive. Well, we'll go through tight ends. Um, Jacob Tammy. I know you remember him, and you said obviously Corden is Ingram from Florida. Good guys. 
uh, defensive ends with Michael Orr at Ole Miss. You also had Greg Hardy, which is a really good player. Um, Quentin Groves, those are ones that stand out the most to me. You have Titus Brown from Mississippi State. Do you remember him, Holt? Oh, yeah. He was a great player. Defensive tackles. You have Glenn Dorsey, Geno Atkins, Pat Sims. Um, from that, I remember Glenn Dorsey, obviously. Linebacker's pretty loaded, too. Wesley Woodyard, who's – I think he plays for the Titans right now. Yeah. Has um, had a long yeah. NFL yeah. career. I don't even think he got drafted, but he's had a long NFL yeah. career. Yeah, I yeah. remember telling you. I remember telling you, Alex, uh, the linebackers for this year for the All-SEC are absolutely loaded. I think all of them have been in the uh, Pro Bowl at one point. Go through, go through the list with me, JB, then, because I have it in front of me, but go ahead and tell me what you know. Well, I just – well, you have the list in front of you, but Woodyard, uh, Mayo, and Brandon Spikes. All yeah, and then also on top of that, um, I remember this name. I don't really remember playing, but I just remember hearing the name, Allie Highsmith. Yeah, Highsmith, LSU. He was really good. Jonathan also Goff from, from Vanderbilt. Jonathan Goff was really good. Yeah, yeah. Jamar Chaney at Mississippi uh, State. He played in the NFL for a little bit. Yeah. Rico McCoy, you remember him, JB? I do. Played Quarter, for the Philadelphia Eagles. Cornerbacks, Chavis Jackson. I remember his name a lot. I do, too. Uh, He's from Mobile. Uh, Mobile. Like, LSU actually had a few players uh, from the state of Alabama, and they were on their run back then. I remember uh, uh, Jamarcus Russell was from Mobile also. Yeah. Safeties, uh, Craig Stelts, Rashad Johnson. I remember Rashad Johnson, I think. Oh, yeah. He, he, still, he played for the Titans, too, I think. Dang. I mean, all these guys play from Titans? That's the problem is I don't ever get to see anybody for um, – no, he, he's, he's not playing anymore. He played for the Titans in 2016 and 17. But um, that's the problem now living in Atlanta. We don't to get the local Titans game, so I don't get to see as much as I want to. Um, kickers, Dave, Daniel Lincoln, JB. <laughs> Daniel Lincoln. God, was he, he was so bad. He was good his freshman year, but he absolutely aggressed every other year. But I'm surprised you uh, – are you doing your first team? Yeah. Are we okay? So there's another safety. I'm surprised he wasn't first team. I guess he's well, second team. Well, no, I mean they're. Um, I, I just I'm not listening to every single person. So go ahead. And, you, who are you talking about? Jonathan Hefty? No, I was thinking of Eric Berry. He's on that list too. Oh, you know what's funny is he was second team this year, probably because it wasn't his final year. It was maybe his freshman yeah, he, year. It was he was freshman a freshman year. that year. Yeah, yeah Eric Berry is really good. Eric Berry is really exciting, especially when they switched him to offense to be like receiver a little bit. How Man, about like the, uh, the star package? Do you guys remember a guy named Jeremy Jarman from Kentucky? I do. Houston High School. That's right. That's why I brought him up from Carterville, Ooh. Tennessee. Went to Houston High School. Stealing all of our players like that. I can't believe it. I don't think anybody else recruited him. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe Memphis did. I don't know. Yeah. Is that what you're getting at? And, uh, yeah, but Did you know uh, Ole Miss oh. won, only won three games that year, but they they did beat Memphis. So, I'm sorry to tell you that, Alex. I was I was at that game, I think. I'm pretty sure because that was D'Angelo's senior year, I think. No, I don't know. It was 2000. Uh, I don't know if it was D'Angelo's senior year. It feels like it was. Feels like the ten to six game, which yeah. I think it was. Simeon Castile was another name that uh, was a pretty good player. His dad was like an All American at Alabama, and he had a brother who was a fullback. So they had a little nice lineage there. Um, there's a lot of Derek Pegues from Mississippi State. He had the the punt return uh, against uh, Ole Miss. They got Ed Orgeron fired that year. So they just. <laughs> There's a lot of a lot of good names. It's fun to uh, to go back and reminisce on uh, a lot of these guys you wouldn't even think about anymore. Yeah, I think, actually, I think that I was going to say, hold. I think what 
I, you might that might be what got Orgeron fired. To me, I think it was Orgeron's decision making, especially well, when he yeah. went for it on fourth. But I mean, I the, think the, the part yeah. return was the was like what won in the game. though, is what I was getting at. Yeah, yeah, but I, I think the first thing that really led up to that was that even gave that punt return a chance to happen was when Orgeron went for it on fourth down in his own territory, mm-hmm. and that sparked new life in Mississippi yeah. State. It was that Ole Miss was winning. Back. Yeah, Ole Miss was winning fourteen to nothing with like. Seven or eight minutes left, and Ole Miss went for a fourth and two from like their own forty-yard line and didn't get it. And Mississippi State scored a touchdown. Ole Miss gets the ball back. Then they decide to punt, and then they run a punt back for a touchdown and tie the game. And then I think they ended up kicking a field goal as time expired to win the game. Mississippi State did. So. Do y'all think we could solve cancer if or find the cure for cancer if we? Uh, like transferred this knowledge of football, like all of this memory we have into something like really, really useful. Yeah. Like something we can make money off of. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're yeah. trying, we're trying to make money, but it's just, it's amazing when we're just talking and it's like, nobody's really even having to guess about like, like what you just said is like very ingrained in your mind. Like you can almost picture what you're seeing and like, you're, you're not even trying to remember it. It's just, it's there. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, it's just, you know, we just love college You're football. I don't, I don't know. And, uh, you know, just like I'm saying, we, we've actually misremembered a few things, at least I have, um, you know, just like looking back on it. I still get confused, um, you know, a couple of years kind of just like run together. But, uh, you know, the 2007 season was, you know, and this is why, like, I was kind of excited whenever I picked it um, or everyone was tweeting that, so we needed to talk about this game or this season uh, because this is probably the best college football season of all, at least of our lifetimes. Let's um let's do this. Let's we should tweet out the top games from 2007. I think that'll get a lot of traction. So let's let's do that. We'll have to come come together outside of this um this podcast and figure out what what games we want to list as yeah. top five or top ten games. But I think that would be good. And in uh, detail from. No, we definitely should. And uh, I just want to give a quick shout out, uh, real quick. We haven't talked about them at all because they weren't in the SEC at the time. But Missouri, 2007, um, had a great year. They were. Uh, twelve and two, seven and one in the Big Twelve. Um, Chase Daniel. Yeah, they got up to number one in the country. Um, they were actually number one in the country going into uh, championship week. Uh, their only loss in the regular season was a ten point loss uh, at Oklahoma. Um, they just had a really great year. Uh, they won at Ole Miss. Surprisingly enough, uh, they played that year. Uh, they beat Nebraska, Texas Tech. They won at Colorado. Uh, they beat Texas A and M. And then, of course, they had the huge showdown against Kansas, um, where Missouri was number three, Kansas was number two. They were both undefeated, I believe. Maybe Kansas had a loss for that. I'm not sure. Um, and Missouri wins that game 36-28 and uh, probably the biggest game in that rivalry's history. That is a big rivalry, um, although it doesn't seem like it's going to play anymore, and Kansas is just absolutely dreadful in football. But uh, just want to give a big shout-out to Missouri, who had a big year that year. And, of course, they beat Arkansas in the Cotton Bowl, which we did mention uh, when we were talking about Arkansas. But, uh, you know, if it wasn't for uh, Sam Bradford in Oklahoma, they pretty much, you know, they would have been undefeated and uh, had a chance to win a national championship that year. Jumpstart the Missouri-Arkansas rivalry, maybe. That, the yeah. artificial rivalry. Yeah. You know, hey, you, I was thinking about this today. You know how, uh, like, every year there's, like, those preseason magazines where uh, coaches are – uh, making like anonymous quotes or whatever. Yeah, I was thinking like we could just make up, we could like just make up our own like anonymous quotes, and one of them could be like you know one Missouri coach said uh, was just like talking shit about Arkansas players all being thugs or something. <laughs> 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 
Do you want to like act like it's real though, or do you want yeah. to? Just... Well, I mean, I feel like I feel like if people are dumb enough to believe it, then we should let them believe it. Like, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, yeah, I, mean, I would just do we could do something like that and be like, yeah, uh, anonymous Arkansas staffer, you know, calls Barry Odom a quote little bitch. Or anonymous Texas A and M staffer called. Uh, you know, LSU staff, a bunch of wussy babies. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just basically something like that. We could do that. Like, we could do that. I, I think you have a field day with Saban, whatever, like, oh, yeah. whatever, either him saying it or people say about him, like, Gus Miles on Yeah, because I, I saw one of them today where someone was like, uh, SEC staffer says that uh, Alabama's defense is going to be terrible this year and they're going to lose like two or three games. And I got like a whole bunch of retweets, and I'm just like, you know, they probably just made that up. Like, yeah. No one probably even said that. Yeah. We can, we can think of it. Um, or if it was, it was probably like a GA or something. Like <laughs> someone like not even important. Any final words before we part here? Um, it is getting late on the East Coast, unfortunately. So yeah. it, was a, it was a rough year for Texas A&M. They went 7-5 and five and lost to Penn State in the Outback Bowl. Um, I'm trying to see if I can find uh, – this was the year that Dennis Francione left. I'm not sure if he got fired or if he just resigned. And then they hired Mike Sherman right after that, who was the guy before um, Kevin Sumlin. So not really a lot going on for uh, for Texas A&M that year. But I just I just want you to know if there are any Texas A&M fans out there listening, we do care about you, and we and I did think of you. <laughs> oh, but I think uh, that we pretty much at least somewhat discuss pretty much everybody and, you know, try to, I think everybody pretty much, pretty much we didn't really talk much about this, but I think they're probably happy about that. Cause they didn't have a great year. <laughs> JB, any final words? Yeah. Uh, can we have another season like 07 again in the future, please? Like we need a season like that to really save college football. It's um, well, it's not like college football is headed down that much, but like uh, next season is not, not going to be I like 07. It's not, but I mean, I, I do feel like uh, if Alabama and Clemson continue on this tear, like it's really going to start some people away, and it's we need some parity again. So we we need we need yeah, yeah. we need, we, we need, need less miles back. We need Florida. Yeah. We need Florida, Tennessee, uh, Auburn, and LSU to all step up their game. And A and M. And we need Alabama. and we need out. Yeah, we need Alabama and Georgia to stub their toe and just do something really stupid. Yeah, yeah we need those Alabama, five to do better. If Alabama could just go like six and six, they would. I, I can't even think of like how many bricks they, bricks they would shit. You know, it always cracks me up when people say that, uh, like when they do like the job rankings or whatever for uh, like who has who's the safest. They always put Nick Saban number one, but it's like, man, if Nick Saban goes like six and six. Like those Alabama fans are might be just crazy enough to fire him. Like honestly, they might be like, "Oh, he's losing it. We gotta go hire Dabo." <laughs> no, hey, no. Yeah. Like you watch. Like as soon as Saban, if Saban ever has a season, I don't know if he ever will before he retires. But if he has that one season where they lose about three or four games, they will be calling for his head. Yeah, yeah. They, I mean, they, maybe not everybody, but some people will. No, because they, they a lot of Alabama fans genuinely think that uh, Dabo is going to be their next coach when Saban retires. Absolutely sold on that. I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, but yeah, right. I, I give it more of an I give it more of a chance that Dabo stays at Clemson for life than taking the Alabama job. 
that's just my opinion. Well, it's been real, and I think it's been fun, has it, Holt? It's been really fun. How many? How many? It's been real, and it's been fun, and it's been real fun. How many games uh, from the 07 season are you about to watch right now? Uh, probably not any because I still have some packing to do. Okay, JB, you about to watch one or two? Yeah, actually, I might watch that uh, 15 minute highlight that Holt was yeah. telling me about. But yeah, Holt's got some packing to do. I've already done majority of my packing. Uh, Friday is gonna be my day to uh, take all my boxes over to my new home. Exciting. Saturday, I'm moving. Then Saturday, I'll be moving day. I'm trying to make it as a seamless transition as possible. Well, we won't bore you all with the details, but it's been fun, guys. We will have maybe one or two more off-season podcast talk uh, podcasts coming up, and then we're going to get into season previews already in June. Um, it's never too early to get into next season's previews, so we're excited about it. And thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to another outstanding episode of the SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. Be sure to rate us and subscribe on iTunes or your podcast app of choice. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SEC Slow Smoked. Spread the good word on this podcast like the chili and cheese on your fries. If you like this podcast, tell a friend because there's plenty to go around. Oh, yeah.